All right, and hello everybody. Welcome back to Truth Warrior. My name is David Whitehead. Very happy to be here with you today. Today it is Monday. What is it now? December the 6th. Am I looking at that right? Early December in 2021, I think it is. Time is uh, one of those things that I keep losing these days. It really does fly. I think time's going to fly tonight with this show, tonight's guest or today's guest, wherever you're listening in the world. Uh, Josh Reed, he and I have had some monster podcasts over the past few months uh, trying to dissect all the subjects that both he and I are really interested in. We met um, last year, did a show together and really hit it off. Josh has been doing this work for a long time. Um, he's, uh, he's got a lot of big shows coming up and he's producing a new documentary series. I just found out it's actually going to be a series, which I'm really excited about. It's called Slave Matrix. And I'm very excited to discuss that with him. Let me just show you his website really quick so you guys know where to find him. There it is over at the Red Pill Project. And you can get that at redpillpodcast.com or redpill.tv. And you got he's got all his channels here. He's on you know Foxhole, DLive, Twitch, all that good stuff. You can subscribe to his email list. Uh, check out all the podcasts that are there. I've been on his show many times as well. We've had a blast over there. Um, and just learning more about his amazing, amazing platform. It's really, really exploding too, which is great. So always good to see, uh, that kind of stuff going on, especially in this movement where it is, um, it's more and more difficult by the day to keep our shows going. And so we're happy to have these alternative platforms and people such as yourselves to continue to support us and help us spread the word. So with that said, let's go ahead and bring the man in. There he is, Josh. Welcome, brother. Good to see you. What's up, David? How are you doing, man? I'm doing good. Keeping busy, working hard. I hear you're working real hard, too, as of late. You've got this new series coming out. I'm dying to ask you about it. Uh, maybe just give people a real quick background on yourself, the Red Pill Project, um, and then also let's let's dive right into this series, brother. Yeah, man. So a little bit of background on me. Uh, from Western New York, I, I spent uh, the majority of my teenage years um, eating LSD. Uh, it's not a joke. I mean, I really did. I I'm writing a book right now. My first book, it's called, uh, uh transcending the state The what I, what I learned from over 150 LSD trips before the age of 18. Um, and I will tell you, it's an interesting concept to understand, um, the, the world of psychedelia, the world of the mind and how this transcends you into our current reality. Um, it was during this time within my teenage years that I really started to research heavily. This would have been in the 90s. Um, what we would know today as occultism or esotericism. At first, I, I dove in really not knowing anything about it. I, I read the Bible when I was younger and I continue to read the Bible as, you know, uh, you know, scripture kind of promulgates you to do and um then all of a sudden I got introduced to like Manly P. Hall and Gerald Massey and Eliphas Levi and Aleister Crawley and all these other characters. And I tried to look for evil because that's what was portrayed. And I really couldn't find the evilness in there. I found information which could be deciphered and determined. So I kind of got introduced at a very early age. At the same time, I was expanding my mind into occultism and esotericism. After this, man, I went into the Navy, uh, the U.S. Navy, for 10 years. I did a lot of fun, interesting things. I had a, a really great time. I did uh, counter-narcotics in the South Pacific as well as human trafficking interdiction. 
Um, at uh, 20 years of age, this was a massive red pill to me to how the world was ran, what was actually happening in the world, the world of organized crime and human trafficking. Um, got out of the military after 10 years after an injury, um, went and worked in the corporate world for a little while, got out of the corporate world because that was just too much, went into the private sector, uh, became a business consultant, and then COVID hit. Um, had been a practitioner of what we would know as uh, hermeticism or hermetic magic throughout this whole time. I don't abide by the hermetic order, the golden dawn or any really uh, doctrine, but kind of like a, uh, um, a truth seeker in a sense, much like yourself, that's just gone through this journey throughout life, trying to absorb as much information and knowledge about our past and about this esoteric and hidden information that is relevant within our world today. Um, this happened all the way up to COVID. Uh, at this time in COVID, I was doing a lot of stuff with the whole Q movement. I was one of the original Q decoders starting in about December 2017. I was known as Q Patriot for those out there who remember this. Um, and the reason I was attracted to Q is because it's not necessarily the disinformation that was being put out there. And for everybody out there listening, uh, my, my perspective on Q as being kind of a subject matter expert on this, it was a psychological warfare operation targeted toward the Christian ideology, meant to, not in a negative way, wake people up to the things that are happening in the world and to drive you to research information for yourself. And that's kind of what the Q movement was. And so I started realizing this early on. I started doing these decodes that were kind of aligned towards that understanding. And, uh, you know, Q put out a lot of disinformation. Q put out a lot of bad information. But there's a lot of good things in there that made you go, hmm, I wonder. I want to check this out. I want to look into this. I want to deep dive into this. And so 2017, 2018, I start getting into Q. And it leads me right into this world, back into the world of the occult and the esoteric all over again. And it starts unraveling the whole um, basis for what we're going to talk about today is this upcoming slave matrix that we're moving into. Um, the Q world, obviously, this movement got hijacked about a year ago after the inauguration, after the, the election fraud and everything that happened there. Um, and, and now a lot of us are just trying to find our bearing and where to go from here. And what I'm trying to do is I've been censored like yourself, David. Um, I've been kicked off of YouTube, hundreds of thousands of subscribers. I've been kicked off of Patreon. I've been kicked off of Facebook. Um, I just got uh, kicked off of PayPal. So they just demonetized me wow. on PayPal. Yeah. Jeez. So, you know, I understand uh, censorship. And so I created redpills.tv, that's plural, R-E-D-P-I-L-L-S.tv, because I understand about information censorship and information warfare and how it's going on. And I realized that as alternative media sources, we need to be decentralized in the sense is there's no single point of failure. Now, the Red Pill Project itself was created under this premise. And this is a very, very occultic and esoteric. It doesn't mean evil. doesn't mean anything like this. It's just this. Understand that we are in the age of information warfare. Information right. is being weaponized against you. So any information that comes into your senses, whether it's your sense of smell, your hearing, your sight, touch, whatever it might be, you need to scrutinize it. Never believe anything anybody tells you, no matter who they are, no matter what authority they hold, whether it's your pope, your pastor, Trump, whether it's a book, whether it's David or me or whoever it might be, unless you can prove it with your own research, your own volition, and through your own experiences, 
period. That's the whole premise of the Red Pill Project is that right there is to hypercritically analyze everything that is being perpetuated at you through this global narrative, through information, whether it's with your, your spouse or your children. It's just always question information, especially the source it's coming from, even if it's a trusted source, especially if it's a trusted source. I love that. And so you've given a good breakdown where you've gone through all these different schools. You've gone down all these rabbit holes. You've looked at all this different information, ancient, you know, modern, uh, a mixture going into all these different alternatives. That sounds a lot like what I tried to do was just try to say, I'm going to put the Sherlock Holmes cap on and go through and research this on my own, following my own curiosity, my own intuition, my own logic, and just try to see what I can piece together. And that sounds like what you've been doing. And then now you've got this platform where you're just breaking it down. You guys do a fantastic podcast. It's really growing, isn't it? You guys have just exploded yeah. over the past few months. We have. And uh, our, our viewership has definitely grown. Our patronage is definitely growing. Um, we get a lot of positive feedback. A lot of the people that come to us um, were former liberals, former Democrats, or even people within this current truth movement who might've been led astray because I will be honest and I don't mind calling people out is that there is a lot of BS happening oh, yeah. in the truth movement. There is a lot of disinformation. There's a lot of propaganda and that's why we have this understanding and people can come to me and say, well, you know, you're, you're, you're full of crap, Josh. And be like, well, then prove me wrong. Show me where I'm wrong. Right? Because if I'm wrong, I want to know, I want you to tell me I'm wrong so I can correct myself. Right. And so I can correct my theories and my interpretations and when I see, cause Dave, a lot of what I do is I look at the global narrative. You and I both understand in occultism, there's something known as natural law. Now, natural law pertains both to white magicians and black magicians, which means that if you deviate from natural law, if you, um, you break natural law, you have some type of karmic infliction that is going to occur to you. It doesn't matter if you're a Satanist or you're, you know, on the good side. So you always have to abide by natural law while you're going through your life. And this is kind of like the rules of success, the laws of attraction. All these things come about when we start looking at natural law. Well, Satanists or these evil, this dark magician, they are always going to tell you exactly what they're going to do before they do it. Because what the slave matrix really is, is it's a system of ignorance. Okay. Now, when it comes to knowledge, right, we can be in knowledge. And knowledge has many different tiers within it, but the avoidance of knowledge, not being within knowledge, this is where we need to focus our attention because that's the darkness. That's black magic, David. And so there's two states that we can be in when it comes to the dark side of knowledge. We can be in nescience or we can be in ignorance. Now, ignorance is really the dark aspect of this. Nescience just means that I'm in a state of innocence. I don't know what I don't know right? I, I have no idea what that information is. I've never been introduced to it. I don't comprehend it or understand it because I've never even you know been privy to it. So therefore I have no idea, no clue what it is. I just like to say it's, I don't know what I don't know. That's nescience. Ignorance though, this is the scary one because the majority of the human population right now is not in nescience. They're in ignorance. The reason they're in ignorance is because Mainstream media, Hollywood, federal government, everything, if we look around our society, has been perpetuating exactly what is happening right now through symbology, through um, you know plot and setting of movies, through the mainstream narrative. It's all been shown to us like in this movie, in this context 
of a movie. This is when that Q figure used to talk about, you're watching a movie. It's not just sit back, grab your popcorn and watch the movie. No, you are watching the unfolding of this esoteric agenda before you that has been planted in society for 30, 50, 100, 200, 300, 1,000 years before us. It is in all of our writings. It is in all of our entertainment. And see, this is what they do. They tell you exactly what they're going to do. And then they do it to you because that's how they subvert your will without violating natural law. So they're trying to elicit consent by saying, well, their argument in the high court of the universal court, as they kind of look at it, right, is, well, we can come with the argument that we told you everything. The information, yeah, we censored it and we hid it and we made fun of it and we wrote debunking articles and all that. We fact checked it but you still could access the right information if you knew where to look. So um, we didn't lie to you. We just hid the truth. And then you decided to stay in ignorance. So therefore, if we're building a slave matrix for you, or we're taking your economy, or we're taking away your rights and your freedoms, you actually signed on for it by not upgrading your knowledge to see what was going on. I think that's still evil, but that, I'm just saying that's my interpretation of what they're going to say as their alibi, where yep. they're going to be like, yeah, so that justifies all of our actions because you went along with it and you didn't fight back. So therefore it's survival of the fittest and all right. Might makes right. That's how these people think. Yeah. 100% man. That's exactly it is they have systematically shown us exactly what they're going to do. You can actually go back to the 1980s and you can find uh, Anthony LaVey's son. He's the, uh, the high priest of the church of Satan. He created the church of Satan back in the sixties. His son in the 1980s was on a PBS special talking about modern pop culture. And he's saying, we've already infiltrated rock and roll, heavy metal. We've already infiltrated Hollywood. And within the next 30 years, we are going to take over the world. You watch and see. And the guy snickered. He goes, no, I'm not joking. I'm being very, very serious about this. And see, that's the thing is they have, and they understand how they do it. Now, if you look at esoteric traditions, and we'll just look at the Freemasons, for example. If you look at the adepts that come into the Freemasonry, and you look at the, the initiates, the first 13 stages of Freemasonry is nothing but lies. If you look at uh, the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn, the first stages of initiation are nothing but lies. They lie through their teeth to you. They tell you all this esoteric symbology and that you need to do this and you need to do this. And they tell you all these stories and they're nothing but stories. They're one little layer of this massive bit of information, right? And so they'll tell you about these esoteric mysteries, but they'll only scratch the surface and they'll lie to you to drag you along. And it's not until you get to the upper echelons of these secret societies that you learn the true derivation of the mysteries and that's where the real information that's where the real magic truly does happen and see everything else is a mechanism meant to disguise the true information the true knowledge the real knowledge because guess what David? that knowledge is so powerful so if you go back to the bible you go back to jesus on the sermon of the mount right um, and he's got the 12 disciples there and he's talking and he gives his sermon and he says three things. He gives three steps. He goes, ask, and you shall receive, seek, and you shall find it. knock and it shall be answered unto you. That's hermeticism. That is white magic right 
there. The ask is declare that which you seek and want, that which you want within your life, that which you are trying to do. That is a spell. Asking is the setting of the magical spell. Seek. Notice here he doesn't say search, that this word is never interpreted as search, which is an external function of your eye. Seek is an internal function. It's right. look within. The seek yeah. means look within yourself. This means take that thing that you ask for and seek it within you. It means find it within you. Go through the movements of your own life. Do the actions of your own life internal to yourself. Marry the thought with the emotion together in your brain, in your mind, in your spirit. Marry all that together in an alchemical weapon. In, oh, in alchemical marriage. And then thirdly, knock. You knock on wood. You knock on doors of opportunity. Go out and produce action into the world derived from the marriage of that emotion and that action. What Jesus gave right there was the hermetic magic. That's the alchemical process. This is white magic. This is black magic too, but this is white magic. And this works in the realms of cause and effect and how all these come together within the natural law. Now, I find it fascinating that a lot of people misinterpret this whole understanding of what this information really means. But that's one case scenario is that religion has dumbed this down to a certain degree to where that true message of what I just told you guys was lost. That that process of creating your own reality, of producing what we would call magic, this thing of influencing your own reality was lost for generations until old alchemist rebirthed it. That's incredible. Actually, make me think of a quote in, from a book I'm reading right now. Uh, let me just put, because it goes exactly with what you're saying. Uh, just give me two seconds. Here we go. So this is from E. Valentia, Valentia Straton in the book, The Celestial Ship of the North, hmm. saying, the religion of the ancient peoples seems to have been one throughout the entire world. A great brotherhood, a universal faith. Strange has been the impulse of priests and theologians to deviate from the ancient holiness, which was so solemn and majestic in primeval, primeval days, and to instruct the masses in false doctrines. And so what they're talking about there is a similar to you and I have shared our, we, we love this quote from Rumi, where it's talking about the truth was a mirror in the hands of God. It dropped on the earth, broken a thousand pieces. People came from around the earth, picked up a piece, thought they had the truth. This is the Tower of Babel, the confusing of the tongues, the breaking up and the divide and conquer strategy. But it happened in ancient times. And so when you now pick up these little shards, which are all these different holy books and scriptures and texts, and, and you look at the symbolism and then you look at the cultural history of everything, we're all divided. And instead of being divided in a natural way where it's just really an expression of uniqueness, um, all pointing at the same thing, it's become a division that created war and turmoil on this planet for thousands and thousands of years and has divided us from what you just said, which is the idea that you and I as human beings, if we have a mind, a body and a spirit, we have a direct connection to truth, to knowledge, to God, to the universe, to the Tao, however people wanna dress it up. Um, but the problem is the priests came in as the intermediary. And this is where I come in with that cult angle, because there was basically four ancient cults that started that basically took over this knowledge and divided up amongst themselves from the ancient world. I think this goes back to maybe some, you know, pre-Diluvian, anti-Diluvian times. Yeah. But that's another story. But um, the idea is that it got separated. We got separated. We got divided and we got put into these little camps postured against other camps. 
See, it's okay to be in a camp. It's okay to have an idea and a perspective, but when it weaponizes you against others to say, ours is superior, ours is the best, yours is shit, uh, you know, look at the world right now. You, how many vaccines you got? Oh, you're not quite qualified for access to the modern world. Where, where, where do we get that? So, so do you agree with that, that when you're talking about the lost archive, I guess, let's just say mm -hmm. this goes into the ancient past there our, our tongues and our languages were confused on purpose by these priestcrafts and aristocracies and bloodlines and all that. It's a whole story and specifically for the purpose of keeping this knowledge for themselves so that they could gain power and maintain it over us. And the only way they could have that sort of power differential is if we were in a state of ignorance or nescience even is good enough. Yeah. And so the basic plot of your film is to try to bring it all on the table, right? And then show people that slave matrix and say, we don't have to go down this path. The kingdom of heaven is within, the truth is available, and we just have to take it back. Is that kind of a good summation there? Yeah, it is. And, um, you know, the, the Rumi quote actually brings it home. And, it, and if you go to Babylon, if you go to the Tower of Babel, which we were just talking about, right? Um, we think we're, we're told the translation means the separation of tongues. Knowledge is what was separated. It's the same thing right. as the burning of the Library of Alexandria. Okay, spells come from the tongue. Spells come from the word. The words is the grouping. The grouping of the words were held in the highest of monuments. The towers were the monuments of knowledge that reached up to the heavens. These were the towers of knowledge. So when they separated the world by tongue, they separated the world by destroying the knowledge, by removing the knowledge from the people. And they did this through a course of many, many generations, pulling it away here, pulling it away here, and then re-manipulating that information in and reintegrating the um, information in. Michael Tessarian does this in the Reconstructing Religion. I was just listening to it. And he talks about how the Jews are not even Jewish. They're not even real Jews. And that, uh, you know, their, uh, Judaism is not Jewish at all. It's Celtic in origin. And you can actually see how they adopted much of their, their understanding of Judaism, their religions from ancient Egypt to, to where they were guests. And we know Moses was a high priest in a lot of the ancient Egyptian religions. And he left Egypt where the Israelites, and he took them to the land of Cana, which he could not enter. And so he sent the Israelites in and they defeated the Canaanites and they took over the Holy Land. But when he left ancient Egypt, he took with him the warship of two primary god, a god and a goddess. And this would have been the solar deities. This would have been Isis and her son Ra, the reincarnated son, Isis and Ra. And they entered into the land of Cana. This would have been old Babylon, so forth. And you have the worship of the old god El. And this is where you get Isis, Ra, El. The, the formation of the trinity of their religion. El being Jehovah, Elo, or El, Elohim is being the family female derivation, but Jehovah and Yahweh being El. Right, Isis being the mother goddess or the Elohim, and then Ra being the solar deity, the the next coming as Judas Jews would call it, and Jesus as the Christians would call it. But the Israel hero, yeah. is did not come from Jacob. This came from a smodgepodge of meshing these religions together. The word religion, if we go back and look at the Latin root religare, this means to mend back together that which was never broken. Think about that. We shatter it up, Tower of Babel, and now we mend back together that which was never broken. And then we sp split it up in the denominations. I mean, you know, people have to understand 
is at the religious level, at the religion level. And if you're religious out there, I love you and God bless you. But you have to understand at the level of religion, that that knowledge is surface level at best. The mysteries expand far beyond that. And you cannot interpret those mysteries by looking at the current landscape. You have to look at uh, the interpretation, kind of like you're going to read legal jargon. You're going to go get right. law, Black Law's Dictionary from circa that time frame. You're going to look at the definition of those words for circa that time frame. And that's how you're going to interpret that law. That's what the Supreme Court does. That's what lawyers do. And that's what we would need to do now if we're going to look at religious context and try to understand really what they are trying to say at that time with whatever, whatever that religion means. So, yeah, yeah, Isn't I, context I, like the most important <laughs> term of all time when it when you talk about this is the context of yeah the language the time the way uh the mind perceived nature men uh human humans were far closer to nature back then than we were after the industrial revolution so they were right up front with thunderstorms and and stars looking at the sky and nature they the animals they were very much up front with it and experiencing it and experiencing that that spirit of nature directly and then they would anthropomorphize these characters, these things they would see in the heavens. And it's all right there. And it's a, it's that as above, so below thing. And then it gets interpreted. And then over time, it's that game of telephone where someone gets a hold of these ancient texts. They, they start editing it. They start changing it. They start drafting it from the ancient symbolic language where it derived from into this modern left to right kind of language. And then when people read it, they take it as as that, and they don't have the keys to go in and decipher what those words and symbols are actually talking about, right? That's right. Much of our modern day religious understanding is astrotheology, an anthropomorphication of um, certain types of functions between the solar world and our terrestrial world. Now, if we look at the, the Holy Trinity that is derived in modern day Christianity, what this is talking about, this is talking about the sky, the sun, and the earth. Mother nature is earth. This is the, the divine goddess, right? Father sky, a new, whoever you want to call it, Zeus, is the tapestry of the sky, stars. And their son, the marriage between the two, is Ra, the actual literal sun. Now, the literal sun is the rebirth of the sky here in our solar system, which shines its lights down, impregnating mother nature, giving rise to a new emergent phenomena, which is us or life, which is the birth of life here on this planet. This is what our ancient forefathers knew as information. This is the, the heart of astrotheology. This is what we could consider anthropomorphication is taking that knowledge of things from the heaven and giving it human qualities. We call it Athena, Zeus, Jupiter. We call it, you know, Jesus or Jehovah or Yahweh, right? And so this is just one layer of this. Now, the question arises, did these beings, did certain manifestations of these beings actually exist? Now, this is different from them actually existing or being embodied within an existence. And I think that the conceptualization of the symbol exists within the embodiment of individuals within humans and they can take and harness this is what magicians do they take and harness symbols and energy and how this energy is utilized and it derives power for them and i think that's the what we're really starting to see play out right now now whether they're human or not that's a hard discussion we've had this discussion before i don't i honestly in my personal opinion 
do not believe what we are dealing with here on this planet is human. I, I don't. I, so when you think of the big architect, and man, you're, there's so many subjects we'll have to do. I'd love to do a whole show just on that, that side of it, but it's good you brought it up. And for people listening, before I go to my question, for people listening that come from one tradition or another, one religious tradition or another, because I got people from all over the world, all backgrounds, everybody's welcome here. Um, we have to understand that what Josh and I are talking about here, um, you don't have to agree with our assessment of this information. We're literally just trying to give you the information and then you now have access to what's going on behind the lodge doors because that's what these people believe as well, right? Another point would be when I go, when I talk about religion, I'm talking about the institutionalization of religion where it became this big, it's like what happened to science, right? Like there was the scientific method that was a really good thing. And we're glad logic blessed the planet for finally, right? But it became its own religious institution that can't be challenged, questioned. It's got its own dogma. It's got dogma. It's got its own class of priests. I then extended this, that big scientific cult into now it's got little offshoots like the medical cult and the transhumanist cult. But it's, it's little packages of, again, these little micro-religions where it's now become institutionalized and also, in my opinion, aspects of it, not the whole thing, but aspects of it are weaponized for various reasons. Yeah. And so when we assess, well, I grew up doing comparative religion and mythology. I, I, I very much dove into it because I want to know what the truth is, right? And when you really analyze it and put it all together and you zoom out a little bit, you can see exactly what we're talking about, that at, there was a corruption done by priests, by these different cults and popes. And, and there was, uh, you know, think about it. Uh, one real quick point. Most people were illiterate for the vast majority of human history and even still to this day. But think about it even like 200 years ago, a, a lot of people were illiterate. They couldn't even read and write. They had to rely on the priests to, and we're talking just priests from every culture you can imagine. You had to rely on the priests to interpret these holy books and this ancient knowledge to what they looked at as sort of like the the, you know, the dumbed down masses. So until we eventually recently got the ability to read and write on mass and then have more access to these libraries, um, now our knowledge has been vastly upgraded and we now have a better sense of what might be going on behind those curtains. Right. But the problem is that our mind doesn't want to open up to accept a new interpretation because new evidence has come in. And we see it in religion, Josh, and we also see it in science, which I find really interesting. So what you and I have been talking a lot about, and I know you cover this too, is how to um, look past that and actually keep yourself in that pure state of, I'm here for the truth. I'm here for the truth. I'm not here to assume the outcome. I'm here to follow the facts as I see them and my intuitive inner voice as I go. And that's a very difficult process. Nobody's perfect at it. So in my book, everybody is welcome at this table. If you are here, if you are an advocate for truth, freedom, and justice, you're in the right place. We have to bury the hatchet, unite the clans. We can have these different theological debates as time goes. It's very important. But I personally think um, we have to make our connection to God and religion and, and the process of science and the way we absorb media, it has to become a personal thing because you just can't trust CNN. And there's a CNN in the history books too, in that way. There's a fake news aspect to history. Uh, so we have to go, I'm just trying to say to people, 
you follow your voice of God or spirit or soul or intuition on your and follow that as you go. Don't let all these other voices crowd the room. Uh, definitely don't just listen to these priests and listen to, and believe everything they say uh, and keep an open mind because the truth is all that matters. Okay, so I just wanted to say that. The next thing is when we're talking about slave matrix, um, first of all, break down that title. What was it that inspired you for that particular title for this series you're doing? So obviously when we think about the the matrix we think about the movie the matrix this the the trilogy is soon to be the fourth one coming out um and we start looking at a digital prison a digital prison created by an ai for a mind uh being slaves is not new to man mankind um for not all those all. people thinking that slavery um you know is abolished from the world and doesn't exist um, I will tell you that about 99% of the human population on this planet right now is living in a state of voluntary servitude. If you're living in the United States of America, you're not free. You're a slave. I promise you, you are a slave. And if you want me to prove it to you, I absolutely 100% can legally. I can show you exactly how you're a slave. See, throughout history, David, we've been a slave for probably about 1,000 to 1,500 years. Something happened, like you were talking about. Something happened. Our whole world got turned upside down. I think there was a battle. And this is, uh, if you go to the Rig Veda, you go to Maratha Bharata, they talk, they talk about this epic battle that took place in the sky for the balance of the world. And it annihilated both sides. And I think that whoever this enemy is, it, it's kind of if we go back to the Apocrypha, we go back to the Book of Enoch, we go back to the Watchers, right? Something happened. And this knowledge was, was occulted because it was found dangerous. And these two factions, or whoever we were at war with, both were thrown back to you know the caveman days, and we had to grow up together. And we're now just coming into being again, um, and they're in control because they didn't forget the knowledge. They kept; they were the keepers of the knowledge, right? And so, uh, slave matrix really comes from this fact that we are currently slaves, and we are being implemented, upgraded into a new system of control and if we look at the processional time frame the, the big time right the big calendar we're coming into a new age and i we talked about this a little bit the last time and i was breaking this down the last show that we did on my channel where uh we just saw the rams road open up in ancient egypt um, on April 4th, 2021, they did the procession of the kings and the queens of ancient Egypt. Now, these the procession of the kings and the queens into Cairo, they moved them from their, um, from I think it was Luxor to the museum in Cairo. Now, these kings and queens were of the new kingdom of ancient Egypt, right? The old dynasty, but the new kingdom. This would have been um, Apenhoptep, the first and the second, Ramsey, right? These were the lineages of the Pharaoh Amun, Amon, right? Atun, right? All the, the Atunian cults, right? So when we start seeing this and I start seeing this, I go, well, why are they doing this Rams Road procession all of a sudden after 2,000 something years? Because it's on, done only once every 2,160 years, Dave. It's done to usher in the new age. And right. if you look at it, the symbology is there. Karnak and Luxor, they're both built on temples and runes of the old kingdom. Karnak and Luxor were the new kingdom of which we just put their kings and queens to rest, the new pharaohs to rest in a museum. We moved them. And if you go to Karnak on December 
If you go to yeah, Karnak on December 21st, 2021, you will see the sunrise over the temple. If you go to Luxor on June 21st, 2020 or 22, you'll see sunrise over the temple, right? Because this is ushering in the new age. And so the Ram's road, if you look at it, it starts with a Ram, it goes to a Sphinx, and then it goes to a human Sphinx hybrid. Okay, it's talking about the evolution of the age and the transmutation of humanity in the spiritual age from animal into man. Okay, and so this started in Aries, obviously, with the ram, and it's moving this. So, when we do the and by the way, if you look at the road, it's 1.7 miles long. Now, 1.7, 1.7, no Now, what's interesting about this, David, is I told you that, uh, so. Luxor is the old Thebes of ancient Egypt. Um, right. Amon is the god who was uh, the god over Thebes. Now, Amon is also the Sumerian, Sumerian Anu. This is the father goddess, right? Anu. This is the father of Enlil and Enki. Now, what's interesting is he was a star in the sky at a positive and ne negative declination of 17 degrees. <laughs> interesting. So what we're talking about here is tradition that is being re reintroduced into our society of this processional age that's coming about. Now, what they're trying to do, and I believe that this is a female cult, and so Slave Matrix, they are bringing us into this, they're bringing us back into the womb of creation, if you want to call it that. Into so you've got like a goddess cult, really, I guess it would be. Like the, the they're using that as a, or what do you think? Yeah, so... You, you ever heard of the suppression of the divine feminine? I know you have. Yes, of course. Okay. That is the biggest trick that's ever played on mankind. Yeah. The divine feminine suppress themselves. The divine feminine are a, and I don't even know if they're evil. That's the interesting thing. But whatever happened, something happened a long time ago and they went dark they went into the dark and we can see this with modern day symbology, whether this modern day symbology is real or not. And this actually goes into what we were just talking about here. And this is kind of a, a recap for everybody out there. Um, if you go to the God Amon, Amon, right? Amon Ra. Amon Ra is the translation of um, the, the sun God. This would have been Ra. Okay. The son of Isis. Okay. He was the old kingdom of ancient Egypt. His wife was Mut, M-U-T. Okay. Now, Mut translationally goes into many different gods and goddesses in the ancient world. One of them is Ayana, another is Samarisis, another is Ishtar, Isis. We can get this Navinus, Minerva, Athena. And this is where it starts to make a lot of sense because the day that this procession on that road happened from Karnak to Luxor just last week, that's the day that they announced Omicron. Oh, on the same day. I didn't know on they the announced that day. on the same day. And what, so oh, what was that day? April specifically? That was, no, no, this was April. December. Uh, no, sorry, this was November 28th, maybe? November 29th. I, I forgot the day specifically. But it's the same okay. day that they announced Omicron. The first reports of Omicron came out. Was the day of that parade on Rams Road. And I said, they just skipped over Nu and Xi. Now, this is interesting because Nu, Nanu, and if you take this back to Phoenician origin, means derives from the water or the fish. This would have been Enki in symbolic relationship. They right. And so, let me just pause for a sec, Josh, because yeah. I hope people don't get lost here. So, the reason why we're talking about all this ancient symbolism and all these ancient gods and goddesses in Egypt and all this stuff 
is because the people, these magicians, these architects of control, these secret societies, royal bloodlines, however you want to look at it, these bankers, you know, JP Morgan said it, you know, billion, millionaires don't use astrology, billionaires do. Okay. So what I'm saying is they are into the, they believe this, they track this, they live by it. They do things according to the processional clock, the big clock, the big clock in the sky. Okay. They don't do it according to your Julian calendar and your 12 hours of the day. Okay. That's for the, that's for the masses. They have their own way of even looking at time. They understand the importance of something called astrological momentum, meaning that there's momentum that happens at certain phases of the moon, the sun, the different, um, you know, uh, the zodiac essentially. And so they look for opportunistic moments to do certain events, whether it's everything from, you know, the new uh, coronation ceremony of some royal figure, or even just the knighting of a politician as being the guy that now is the new politician, you know, the uh, inauguration, the January uh, 6th, or, you know, these different dates, yep. there's dates that they follow. So what Josh is doing here is breaking down this uh, very interesting moment that happens that relates to ancient Egypt, it relates symbolically to how these people perceive that knowledge, Okay. And the knowledge itself isn't evil or good. It's just knowledge. And they're using it for purposes of getting momentum on their side so they can achieve a new creation of a new world because they it. know that's the key. Did I do that well? Or can you add to that just to, yeah, just yeah. so people don't get confused here? Let me add onto it just a little bit. It's the passing of the torch, David. The old age is moving away and the new age is coming in. Old world is going out. The old guard is going out. The new guard's coming in. And so this parade right. represented the passing of the torch from the old kingdom, which would have been the new kingdom of ancient Egypt, the old gods, to the new kingdom that is in place right now that people are not seeing because it's occulted. Okay? So when we look at this, this is where the symbology starts to arise from. Okay? So they skip over nu and g. Now, nu, the, the, the Greek symbol nu, if you look at it, nu noon, you go to the Phoenician origin. This represents water in the fish. This would have been Enki in literal translation from Sumerian. Okay? Now, the Phoenicians are the black magicians of the old age. This is the Italian black nobility that infiltrated the Vatican, infiltrated the Knights Templar. That's a whole different discussion right there. Just understand yeah. that the Phoenicians most likely are not good guys. These are the bankers of the modern world, okay? But whenever you look at their symbology, you want to go back to the Phoenician alphabet where it derives, the Greek derives from, okay? So when we go back there is the letter, the last one in the media, David. What was the last variant that was perpetuated in the media that everybody talked about? This one's going to kill everybody. This one's going to kill everybody. What, what, what variant was it before Omicron? Delta. Delta. Delta, symbolically, if you go back to the Phoenician alphabet, the Phoenician alphabet is a triangle. Okay. That's triangle. right. Triangle. Omicron derives from the Phoenician Ion. This is the same as the Gaelic Odin. I, I, they just signed who is coming in to rule the new world, the triangle and the I. And nobody saw it. And they announced the I on the day of the transition of the Rams road. Now, if, if you're if you're just saying that's just mere coincidence, I'm telling you, go and look into this and tell me if I'm wrong. Now, this is how I know that this is female cult derived. And Michael Sarian knows this as well, and we can look into this. But if you start 
looking into the origins of the word I, of what the word I actually means. I'm looking for right now the historical connection, and this is going to be one of the first parts that I'm going to do in this, this docu-series that we're doing, is connecting the historical origin of the word I with the word Athena, all right, the Greek word Athena. Now, Mutt that I just talked about is also the goddess Minerva, is also the goddess Athena. Now, what's interesting about Athena is she's the one of the only goddesses gods of the ancient world, Minerva, uh, Ishtar, that is not born through traditional means. See, Athena is born in the forehead of Zeus. The forehead, right there. Mm. That, what is that place called? There's your third eye. That's your third eye. And when she breaks through, I believe it's Hercules that lets her out by cracking Zeus's skull and letting Athena out. She's full grown. Okay, but she comes out as the goddess of wisdom. Now, the Romans understood this just a little bit better. And what they did is they understood Minerva. This is the goddess, the equivalent, right? Is that when she came out, she was symbolized by the owl because the owl was the keeper of knowledge. Now, whatever you see an owl, what do you see? You see the symbols of the eyes, right? But if you remove the eyes and you just do the brow and the nose, you get a Y. Hmm. Okay. Do you remember when Q, Q said? The cult of why? Who's the family of why? I was wondering about this. Okay. Then he says, follow the wives. Follow the wives. Yep. So the cult of why or the family of why is the lineage, the female lineage of these ancient queens of ancient Egypt. All throughout the world. Okay. This is why you can't trace the family lineage because the family lineage is traced through the patronage, through the male lineage, not the female. This is why you have to follow the wife's back in the timetable all the way back. This is where you find this derivation. Now, what's interesting, if we go back into the mysteries of Athena, Athena did not trust mankind with knowledge. She did not trust mankind with knowledge because of what it was utilized for. Okay? So what she did is she hid the knowledge within the uh, the owl and sent the owl into the darkness. So the owl exists within the darkness. This is wisdom. The, the owl is reminiscent of knowledge, of information, of wisdom. And she sends it into the darkness. This is the first historical and symbolic account of what we know today as occultism. Hiding knowledge from the eye. Occulting the knowledge came about through Athena, through the female goddess. Now, when we get into this, we start seeing some interesting correlations and some interesting um, lapses, right? Minerva, right? If we look at her, this is the same thing as Athena. If you occult the owl and now you shine the false light on the owl, and what I mean by the false light, if we know the understanding of the word Lucifer, the bringer of the light, the bringing of the morning light, the false light, the deceptive light, this is actually what we would consider in occultism or esotericism, light. The sun's light reflecting off of objects, creating the electrical stimulation in your eye, going down your optic nerve, producing it in your cerebral cortex, back here in your brain, in the deepest, darkest spot of your mind, producing this illusion out here, which you believe is actually reality that shows you light in a place that's never seen light. That's deception. Lucifer simply is your reality as you know it. And your job is to try to get around the deception of reality. That's enlightenment. 
Okay. And so Lucifer is this light that shine. So when we shine the light on the owl, the occulted owl in the darkness, the owl casts a shadow. A shadow. Do you remember Bohemian Grove and the cremation? I was just going to say, yeah, that's their main symbol. Is the owl. But what happens when they shine the spotlight on the owl? It casts a shadow behind it. Right. And that's when their ceremony of rituals of sacrifice comes in and they have the, the boat that comes down is when they shine the light on the owl, on the knowledge. It casts a dark shadow on the backdrop. Now that shadow is Moloch, is Baal, okay? So it's not it's, even the initial statue. When you see those big no. stone foot owls, that's not, everybody thinks that's a big statue of Moloch. It's actually the shadow of the statue. It's the shadow of the statue. The shadow of the statue is what we would call Satan. It's where we derive because it's the, it's the, it's the reflect it's a refraction of it's because everything is a refraction, right? Like this also yeah. makes me think of like the cult of the black sun, or everybody talking about the dark side of the moon and what might be hidden there. Like it's it's this idea that they have where they worship the false light and they worship the ref the refraction of the true light. And that's why they go for the shadow and that's why they operate in the shadows and their symbolism reflects the operation of in the shadows. What else operates in the shadows on the planet in terms of nature? Apex predators, right? So there's a, there's a connection on a bigger level, I think, to all of this. And right before you go on, Josh, I wanted to just pull up really quick. Check this out as you're talking about owls. Look at that image right there. And I'll just let everybody look at it. I threw this in the, um, I think it was chapter one of Cult of the Medics. We're looking right now at the National Institutes of Health in Maryland. <laughs> Maryland. And what symbol do you see emblazoned in front of this building? That looks like an owl to me. That is an owl. And it's done in the actual symbolic way that the uh, hieroglyphic or the symbolic way that owls were done. So it's not obviously now, a... Now like, go to the U.S. Capitol. Type in U.S. Capitol. U.S. Capitol. Let's do this. U.S. Capitol. And this is incredibly symbolic, and I want everybody to understand what cult that we're talking about. Now, go to yep, go to uh, maps. We want a sky view, so I'm like a map view. Or just type in type in U.S. Capitol Owl. What am I doing? Oh, okay, yeah, let's do that. There you go. Now, click on the one with the red lining. Yeah, there we go. I can see it better. Okay, so that. that's the U.S. Capitol. There's the outline of the symbolic owl of Athena. Okay. Now, what is at the heart of the owl, David? Is it the oval? No. It's the Capitol building. It's the center it is the of actual Capitol. Capitol building. Yes. Now, what's okay. interesting about that is what do they do in that Capitol building? You were telling me this. It's, it, tell people. Well, they pass law and legislation, right? right? And that law and legislation, they send people to war, which people die from. They do law and legislation, which people die from, right? They sacrifice human beings in that Capitol building at the heart of the owl, the occulted owl, the dark owl. Does everybody understand the symbolic significance of what I just said? Yeah. The sacrifice, the ritualistic sacrifice has been going on for 260 something years here in the United States of America at that building in the massive symbolic relationship that is right there in front of your eyes. In the heart of the knowledge of humanity has been sacrificed to their dark God. And David, inversion is what we're talking about here. Because think about what the shadow is. It's the inverted character of the actual, 
right? So if we have knowledge, right, and we shine a light on knowledge, the shadow of the knowledge is the inversion of it. Right. I was looking for something else. You can keep talking. I'm just trying okay. to find. There was, I'll, put, I'll figure this out here. But so when we start looking at what's happening here, this is the, the female cult that has existed. This is the suppressed divine feminine cult. This is the cult that leads all others on this planet. And this is some very, very um, dangerous information, I guess, if you want to talk about it like this. Because yeah. those who led the Nazis were the same cult. Astara was derived from this. The Theosophists knew of this. Okay? Now, what does this really mean? Let's think about this in context. How does this, what does this really mean and how does it bring about the slave matrix? Well, when we start to understand the origins of evil, of what this evil derived from, the evil came about through the occulting of knowledge for from Athena hiding the knowledge from humanity and putting it into the darkness. And then from them shining a light on the knowledge, casting the shadow and giving that shadow to humanity in a form of ignorance. Okay. This is the devil's work in the devil's domain. The devil's domain means that we are giving the shadow of the knowledge. We're giving the inversion of the knowledge. This is why we are all in a state of ignorance. This is why through true derivation, you're talking about truth earlier. Hmm. So critically important. David, there's only two truths in the world. There are only two variations of truth in the world. Then people are like, yeah, you're nuts. There's absolute truth and totality. Okay. Totality or absolute truth. We cannot know. This is beyond us. This is God. Okay. It's, it's unknowable, incomprehensible, ununderstandable. We can never in, in grasp absolute truth. So therefore we can only have our own interpretation of that absolute truth. And it's individualized. Right. We call this self-evident truth. So we can only have self-evident truth. And this is derived from our belief system, our experiences, our, our progression of understanding of knowledge for our hypercritical analysis or mental faculties, right? This is alchemy in its prime right here is self-evident truth is the derivation of self-evident truth. And then me and you come together and we look at two self-evident truths and we compare them. And then we learn and we grow and we expand the model of absolutism. And right. we both grow in our knowledge base. So this is this process. But what they seek to do is they seek to control the absolute truth. Christianity, for example, everything is contained in this book. This book has never been ch changed. This is the word of God. You must believe it. This is it. Everything in the world contained here, that book. That's a limitation on your brain, on your mind. That's telling you that there's nothing outside of that. Don't conform to anything outside of that. Don't believe anything outside of that. Just believe in what I have right here. That's it right there. That's evil. That is the containment of your freedom. Your freedom comes about through self-discipline, through personal responsibility, but through the, the search and the seeking for truth and knowledge, okay? And when you limit any one of those capacities, not through your own derivation, that's evil. That is ignorance. Well, look, they're doing it right now, aren't they? They're saying Absolutely. you can only go to our website. If you post on Facebook, you must check in with the world health organization first, you know, like that this process is ancient. It's, it's just, it's being reborn in yeah. through a new variation in our present time, but it's the same thing. Yep. So getting into the slave matrix, 
is I, I'm trying to tell people is that this information, you've been a slave to knowledge for lifetimes. And I do believe in reincarnation, by the way, for lifetimes. And we are all here right now for a reason because we have a chance to change it at the new age. And what they're trying to do right now is the new age of Aquarius is being ushered in. Now, Aquarius actually represents technology or tech. Okay. So they're trying to control this balance of power. Now, David, we talked about this last time is that our solar system and the grand clock that we're talking about, the great processional clock is actually talking about, and if we go back to the Mayan calendar, a lot of the ancient religions and stuff like that, they're talking about this transition of ages, but also these shifts of energy. Because everything has to have a balance in the universe. Everything has to be balanced at the end state. And we talked about how our solar system is moving through the center of the galaxy and it goes up and then it comes back down through the center of the galaxy and goes down. Well, we have two points. We have two points at the apex right there, right? And then we have a center point. Now, this is mimicking the actual state of our sun, the, uh, the analemma. The analemma, if you watch the sun every day in the sky at noon and you put a mark in the sky, it's going to do a figure eight through the sky. And you're going to have two solstices. And you're going to have two equinoxes in the center, right? It's going to form this figure eight. Well, our solar system does the same thing through the center of the galaxy. It goes, does an analemum through the galaxy. And it has two solstices and two equinoxes. Well, we already passed through one of the equinoxes. Okay, so we just passed through that center point. And we're actually popping out right now of that. We're headed towards that top point right up there, that solstice. So we're about halfway. So we're like spring. We're at the Passover time. So if we're looking at the astrological age, moving into the age of Aquarius, we're coming out of that center, the darkness. So do you know the significance of Passover? What Passover yep. means to Tropic of Capricorn? It's a sun passing over the Tropic of Capricorn, which represents the sharage of light and darkness throughout the day. And so before Passover, there's more darkness than there is light throughout the day. After Passover, there's more light than darkness throughout the day. And this is what's happening right now with our solar system as we're coming up to that Passover point. And that's the age of Aquarius that we're about to enter into. And this just means that the density layer, the energetic layer that we're moving through in the galaxy, very, very dense in the center, very, very non-dense at the tops, which means that points of, of enlightenment, points of um, golden ages happen as we move towards those solstices, right? Jesus was at his high ministry at the top of his ministry up here at the solstice. And so we're going into a golden age. We just entered that point of Passover. These dark magicians are trying to... to hijack the polarity of that energy transition. So they're trying to stunt this natural process. Yep. And is this what everybody's talking about when it comes to different timelines? You hear this, like there's like, oh, we, we got kicked onto this timeline and we got to jump to this timeline. It gets a little weird for me, to be honest with you, but it makes sense when you think of it from what you're talking about. This is more about, about what the new agers talk about with the entering into the fifth dimension. Right. Everybody's got their or little the, term for it. Or the sixth earth. The the originals talk about the coming of the sixth earth, the old the new earth Jerusalem. Ended, yeah. yeah. The new Jerusalem. This is what we're talking about. We're talking about this Passover event that's happening on a galactic level of our solar system transitioning from this point of high density, a very, very dense, where basically think about this is if the creator's energy was a frequency being sent out from the center of the galaxy. Okay. And we're in a place that's very, very diluted, very, very dense. How much of that energy is going to be able to hit our planet? Very, very little. It's being bombed. It's being blocked by all this other stuff that's in the way. But as we move out of that center of density, we move into these open area of the galaxy. 
we become more prone to that power that's being transmitted from the center of the galaxy. We it's like a better radio receptive. signal or a better That's exactly Wi-Fi what signal. it is. It's a better radio signal. <laughs> yeah. And it, and it, what it does is it conforms our DNA, it resonates with our DNA, evolving us as spiritual beings. This is why we go through these transitions of spiritual progression. We, we, we progress spiritually, we evolve, and then we drop down and we go into this dark age at that level, right? And then we come back, then we evolve again. And then we come back up, we evolve again. And this is how the system of evolution works throughout the universe. In the ancient um, uh, Oriental religions and belief systems, and I know people yell at me for saying Oriental, but that's what they are. It means derives from the East. And I'm not specifically talking about Chinese or so forth. I'm talking just derives from the East. Is These are called dragon cycles. And mm. dragon cycles can be attributed to the planet. They can be attributed to our sun. And they can be attributed to other stars in the galaxy, other planets, as well as the galactic cycle. And so when we talk about this, this is, has everything to do with energy. And this is why it's so important that they have to make us ignorant of this knowledge. For if we do not know what we're coming into, have you heard this, that uh, a lot of the new agers are talking about this right now, is that when you move into the fifth dimension, a lot of people are going to go crazy. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. And we're I seeing feel it like with, however people want to read it, just look around you. Yeah. And a lot of people are having mental illness. That's right. And the reason this is, is because they're ignorant of the knowledge, David. Do you if think not, it's that, like, is it, is it a frequency that's making them crazy? Or is it also like, if we were to bring in the whole, all the books of psychology on the desk and say, okay, let's look at that for a sec. If we look at some of the explanation for the, um, the entry point of what we call evil into the world, right? That was a unique type of what we call evil that was ascribed usually to human beings. We have this propensity for evil. There's an argument to be made that that was initiated by the mechanism you spoke about earlier, but also by trauma, traumatic events that mm -hmm. took place. Some people think it was a war. Some people think it was a, like if I have Emmanuel Volkovsky here, we're talking about, um, you know, solar system chaos, hitting planets, changing, you know, pole shifts, ancient cataclysm, right? You roll those guys out and that those events were especially with humans that were, we, we weren't living in modern industrial world. We were living in nature. Nature betrayed us. This is how human, the human psyche looked at those events was because they went, we were doing all these sacrifices and we were involved with nature and we had all these, you know, everything was built according to the stars and everything was perfect, but then nature revolted against us. And so there was a, there, there was what was created in the human psyche, something called the antipathy to nature, which was a fear of nature. And it was a, um, it was, it was something where we felt like we got betrayed, Right. And so that's stuck in our phylogenetic memory as trauma, as sort of the initial trauma that birthed all of these weird freaky deaky cults and sacrifice and all of that. And this is also how it's interpreted through religion as the fall of Lucifer and all this, right? But do you, do you get into that too about the trauma aspect in ancient times? We have to. Yeah. So this is what I want everybody to understand what David just said. The exile from Eden, the fall from grace, the biting right. of the serpent's fruit, whatever it was. Understand that this cycle that I just talked about, the dragon's cycle, this was the fall from Eden. The last time that we were here, which would have been on the down trough, right? The down function. Now we're coming back up and we just passed through. The last 2,000 so years that we were in, the last 5,000, maybe the last three or four ages that we were just in, were the point where we were going through the transit of the center of the galaxy, the densest parts. So what happens? 
we enter into this dense part, this dark part of the galaxy where we're going to be cut off from God from the center. We are exiled out of Eden. We're thrown out of Eden because of the knowledge that we had. Certain people occult and control the knowledge during this transitional time, right? And we as people go, why isn't God helping us? Why isn't God communicating? I can't hear God. So what do we do? We sacrifice people to God. We create this whole understanding of this different conceptualization of religion during this dark time when we're cut off from the creator, cut off from these sacred energies. You're right. We used to be the civilization that thrived, that were in tune and connected with nature. That was before we entered the center transition through the galaxy. And when we enter that center transition, we forget because we're cut off from the center. We forget because someone held the knowledge away from us. And we go through this transition to the center of the galaxy through this dense, dark place. And we forget everything and, and we're subverted. People control us through that information, knowledge, and wisdom that they occulted and hid from us. You know, now that I think about it, Athena might have just been the female cycle the negative cycle of our last transit. And when we came back up, they occulted all the knowledge from humanity. And that might just be the symbolic relationship we're talking about right there. Right. right? You're talking male, female in terms of concepts, not just like gender here. We're talking masculine and feminine. We're talking masculine about feminine. Yeah. yeah. The dragon cycle operates from a masculine upward and a feminine downward. And you can look at this as a positive cycle and a negative cycle. You can look at this as the marriage of the two coming to a point of balance um, and when we start thinking about it, um, through this transition that we just went through, now we're all like, David, I explain kind of what's happening right now. What we're going through is we're re-entering Eden. Think about that. We were ejected from Eden. We went into darkness. We got the apocrypha. We got all these books that come about and talk about these very, very dark times for humanity. Even during, you know, 2000 years. The dark ago, ages. Yeah, the dark ages. That's exactly what this was. And now we're coming out of this transition. The age of Aquarius is this passing over part. Where we're moving into this new golden age. And what's happening here to millions, if not billions of people worldwide? They're waking up. That which is hidden can no longer be hidden and it is being revealed to humanity. And we're seeing this every day. And those who are hiding it, those occultists, those ancient ones, are trying to hold on to control. So much. They're trying to kind of hold on to all this knowledge and information, but they can't. It's being shone into the light because me and you and everybody else out here are becoming more and aware. We're becoming more and more aware of what is happening because our knowledge, our DNA is vibrating with the universal center, which is opening up things within our own evolution, our own minds. And we're being more susceptible to exactly what is happening to where these old dark magician tricks can no longer work on us. This is so fascinating. Um, I, this is just, I, I, it, it's mind blowing and it's such a minefield to trip through when you try to break this down because you have to weave in so many different terms and we're sort of enslaved by terms, right? Like we need a common language. So people all, we all know what we're saying, but when you, when we start using terms and phrases, people get triggered here and there depending on what belief structure that they have. So it's almost like we've been blocked from actually hearing and learning and, and being able to even see what the truth might be because we've been trapped in a prison of language, right? So 
Um, this is why I felt it very valuable, even in my martial art career. I didn't just stick with karate, which was the first art I studied. I went and I did my time in karate, got my black belt, and then went and started training boxing, and then went and tried to train ninjutsu, and then jujitsu, and then kickbox, and then I just started opening it up. And I've kind of come full circle to unifying the principles I learned in each one of these disciplines. Meanwhile, each one of these disciplines are all fighting with each other over which one is the best and which one should have the supreme status in the martial art world. What's the difference in religion? What's the difference in science? It's all the same now. But we're coming out of that. You're saying the idea here, and this is coming from some of these predictions and prophecies and revelations from various traditions where we had to go in this declination, we had to go into the underworld cycle, which is something very intricate to your own personal life cycle, by the way. Each human being alive has to undergo the underworld cycle journey to come born a hero, right? We, that's your life. That's why you are here. That's why we used to have initiations. That's why we used to have, you know, in the, in the you know, Native American traditions or the Aboriginal traditions, they would send these kids out to go on these quests to not just, it wasn't about the quest. It <laughs> was about it. A, a process of matriculation and, and maturing. And they were celebrated by passing with the rite of passage. So humans on an individual level go through, you have to go through the underworld. You got to slay the dragon. You got to come back, reborn the hero. The Very planet true. is also going through that is what you're saying on a galactic level that has to, uh, it, it's just a process of nature that's happening anyways. But then we create all these myths and stories to try to explain and describe this process that is happening in reality. And then another point I want to ask you about is your take on the concept of light and photonic light specifically. Because I've spoken to many people who would even look at photon, the photonic, what the, I guess it's like the purest form of light. I'm not a scientist, but just this is what I've been told. It makes sense. We have photon light which is the pure light. And it's actually the light frequency that vibrates at your cellular DNA level. Mm -hmm. It's the same light that is coming. This is what this photosynthesis process is that we talk about in science with the sun, without the sun, we're all dead. The, the plants, everything feeds off that energy. Um, and when you talk about somebody that's alive, we say in our own verbiage, their eyes had the light of life in them or their, their eyes lit up. Like I'm an animated, I'm animated with something but then when that something leaves the body, my body is now a dead corpse. It's now dead. That light has, tra has transferred over. So this is why, how many scripture verses can you find in the Bible right now that say ye are light or God is light or light of the world? It's, if you just put light in the Bible search, just read all those passages based on what we just went through. Think of it like this. So what I think of it as is our awakening isn't just learning new information you didn't know before awakening in this sense is actually a reawakening it's a it's a remembering people are remembering that's why you have those moments where you go oh my god it all makes sense it's not because you just learn something new all the time it's because sometimes you're actually it, it resonates at a vibrational frequency uh, which is light we're talking light vibration right like tesla said everything's light vibration and sound or something Three, six, nine. So that's that's vibrating and then that creates that feeling of Eureka. Oh my God, I get it now. You're actually remembering something that on a soul level or even just a, a philogenetic level, you're bringing something back up that you're now remembering. So that brings in the idea that if we're going through this galactic plane, which is what another other people call it, or the photon belt, right? A oh. dense passage where there's more photonic light that we're traversing through. 
that that changes the frequency vibration. And then we are all attuned to nature. I mean, we respond to the moon cycles, the sun cycles, the rain cycles, the way, you know, and so why wouldn't we respond to what's going on on the bigger universal level? And that's activating something. And so the game with these priests is they want to maintain power and they want to be God on earth, right? And they want to replace the true divine God. And uh, they have to cut us off and keep us in darkness so that we aren't given that light that and is going to put a us into a slave and a spiritual thing, right? They're going to put us into a digital slave matrix that is dehumanistic, which cuts us off from the creator. Now, I, I want to touch on a lot of we can talk exactly about this, but I want to talk to a lot of things that you just talked about. Sure. So I one of the episodes that I've already mapped out is called coming into being. Right. And. What you just talked about there is exactly what it's about. So the hero's journey, everything. People need to understand what this really means. Einstein showed us that mass or energy is proportional, is, is uh, directly proportional to mass, right? In a certain equation, equals mc squared. So mass squared is equal to energy. So when we think about an infant or a baby, do you think the soul of the being is contained within that mass? No, it's only a small little spark, the seed. If you go through the Bible, you look up seed of light. This is what it's talking about. The soul is the seed of light that is sparked within that. As that baby grows, the soul comes into the being more and more as the body grows. Now, I remember specifically my time of life where I came into being. This is one point in my life where I just remember... Oh my God, like I'm conscious, like I'm aware, like, oh wow. Like I remember I was 10 years old. And I'm like, one day it's like, I just woke up and like, all of a sudden nothing was a blur anymore. You come out of this age of uh, susceptibility of childhood and you enter this age of thinking for yourself with responsibility and personal, personal respect and stuff like this. Right. And so we go through this process of coming into being now original tribes or uh, Aboriginal tribes and native tribes have talked about this in the sense of the coming into being ceremonies. This usually happens at the, the midpoint of puberty around 16 years of age for male and females. And this is when the soul completely latches on and comes into the body. And this is where you begin your journey of knowledge. And the knowledge is the unraveling of reality or the awakening of the soul. Okay. It's remembering. The body's remembering what the soul already knows. Your journey's already been written. The soul is infinite and infinite within knowledge. It has all the information. The process is the marriage between the body and the soul at the point of coming into being and that growth between the relationship between those two beings of remembering. And so you nailed it right there because that's the hero's journey. And the person, the evil person, the protagonist that you're actually battling against is your physical being, is the, the, the little soul, the animal that lives within you, lives within your mind that tries to subvert you and says, no, that's too dangerous. No, we're not going to go down that road. No, let's play it safe. Okay, that's the, the protagonist here in this. So there's that aspect. But you're right, this is a larger cycle that's played out on multiple different layers. In, in hermetic axioms, this is as above, so below, so below, as above. Now, I, I know people out there be like, oh, have you read the Book of Toth? Have you read the Emerald Tablets of Hermeticism? I have some big problems with modern-day hermetic and alchemical literature. And just to touch on this real quick, um, 
forgot who the archaeologist was, late 1790s, they broke into the tomb of Toth. Toth was a deitized version of Hermes Trismegistus, which was a man who was the scribe of the gods, and he was deified as the god Toth. He's the one who lifted the veil of Isis, learned the secrets of the universe from her eyes. Isis is also Athena. Athena, knowledge, forehead of Zeus, right? Lifted the eyes, the veil of Isis, and learned the secrets in her eyes of the universe. And Toth teaches to mankind, sends it to the four corners of the earth, and takes the secrets with him to his death. Now, they said that Toth wrote a book and that you would find this book called the Emerald Tablets in his tomb. In the 1790s, they uncovered this tablet on his tomb. And it was just a big piece of emerald that had inscribed on it, as above, so below, so below, as above. And this is the law of correspondence in natural law. And this just means that everything that corresponds to the lesser worlds, the lower worlds, the lower realms of reality also corresponds to the upper. So the cosmic level operates the same way as the sub-quantum level. There is no difference or separation from it from only from perspective. Okay, but a lot of the theosophists, what they did is they channeled this from beans and rewrote it. And this is where you get the modern book of Thoth and the Emerald Tablets. Mm. So when you get that book, book, the Emerald Tablets, that is a theosophist, Madame Blavatsky and all of her people channeling this from someone that they believe was Thoth. I don't prescribe to that. I can't accept that. I can't go along with that. Well, there's even the difference between Madame Blavatsky herself and the followers that grew up around her, like so many of these things. There's a whole rabbit or or rat's nest to get into on that. But yeah, I see what you're saying. Now, you said photonic light, this purification of light. I just had Dave the Mystic on my show. David Um, who? Dave the Mystic. Oh, okay. He's he's a man who went on this spiritual journey, and he's been teaching and doing energy healing. He does remote energy healing. Um, And he's also an electrical engineer. He's a scientist by nature and by trade. He's worked for Lockheed Martin Raytheon on weapons programs for the U.S. DOD. This guy is legit scientist. Um, And he actually started talking about this. And he goes, well, there's been a lot of study done that our bodies actually emit bio photons. Uh, My buddy Nathan Maltz talks about this, is that you have photoreceptors all throughout your skin and in your eyes. And the photoreceptors are transducive, which means that they receive light and they also can give off light. And that he said that in um, research studies, they put human beings in completely dark rooms, absolutely no light. And they put photonic sensors in there. And they found that up to, and you ready for this one? Up to six feet away from those people, they were detecting bio photons coming out of their eyes. Up and to six feet. Now, the HeartMath Institute, you saw this. They yeah. mapped out years ago the resonant field of the heart because it's an electromagnetic device, essentially, that six emits feet. and transmits, right? So um, they, they measure that toroidal space around the human body as being up to six feet as well. Now, so there's that six foot social distancing crap. Yep, and that's the that resident of your heart. And that makes yeah. a lot of sense. But the Greeks, the Greeks believed that we created our reality by projecting light out from our eyes. How right were they? Interesting. Yeah. When you think about it in the context, you just said, if you just read it as is, you go, oh, what a bunch of wackadoos. Yeah. Now, but when you think about it, what they meant context, it's really interesting. Yeah, and so now we get into modern day research. So a lot of this this uh, this uh, topic that I'm talking about coming into being, it's going to be based off of a study of a scientist by the known as Dr. Martin Blank. 
back in 2009, 11, 12, 13, and 14, he did a series of papers. Um, the two most important ones here are DNA as an electromagnetic transducer. And the second one is DNA as a fractal antenna. Now, to understand these, you have to have a little background in electronics and science and quantum physics. But at the basic level, a transducer is something that sends and receives signals. So Martin Blank comes out and develops this research study saying that DNA is giving off radio waves. DNA mm. is giving off radio waves and it's receiving radio waves. Not only that, being a uh, fractal antenna is if you cut it in half and you just keep on cutting it and you cut it down to as much as you can cut it, that small little slither will still be receptive to those frequencies of giving off and receiving, which means that it's a fractal. I can cut it down to small little pieces and it's still going to send and receive the same signals. It's almost kind of like, and it really, maybe it's not the best analogy, but it's like fiber optics. Like, you know, the fiber optic cable, like the way fiber optic transmits uh, the light yeah, signal, it, like spreads out. Yeah, it saying. spreads it out, but like you can have big, long ones that'll oh. still carry the signal. You can have little short ones. You can break it. It'll break the signal, but it'll still be a transmitter and receiver for that signal. Think about it like a hologram. Or a ho okay. yeah, that's even better. A hologram. I have yeah. a hologram and an apple. I split the hologram in half. Now I have two apples. Split both of them in half. Now I got eight apples, right? Right. That's what it is, is I can take that piece of DNA, I can splice it in half. Now I have two antennas receiving the same signal. Eight antennas receiving the same signal. 16 antennas receiving the same signal. And so this means that our DNA, quite literally, David, is sending and receiving signals. Now the question is, is what signal is it receiving and who's it sending them to? Mm. Okay. Now, going back to the theory that we just talked about, is if it's sending and receiving to the center of the galaxy, and we just went through this very, very dense point of the galaxy that impedes that signal. That means that our communication would have been kind of interrupted, which means mm -hmm. that certain people would have been born during this time that probably would be more receptive to be in tune with the center of the galaxy. And some people would just would not be, which means that we get completely left brain people who are completely spiritually cut off. And then we get people who are like mystics and like Jesus and so forth, who are highly connected and highly savant level on the spiritual level and very, very connected to the creator. And it's not that they're any different from each other. It's just a connection to the source, a connection back to the source in the sense of the receptability of our DNA sending and receiving these signals. So do you think with that theory, do you think that, this could possibly explain why we've got the world divided into two camps right now of the people that are diehard, go along with the mainstream, listen to the government. The government never lies to me. Facebook never lies. You know, all this stuff is good. And then the other people that are like us who are questioning it, challenging it. We're worried about it. We see what's going on. We're investigating on our own. There seems to be a split that's happened. I don't know what the percentages are, but do you think that's why you, some people say, no matter what I say to my mom, she never gets it. Or uh, I, can, I can show them exactly in front of their face the evidence, but they, there's a cognitive dissonance that's happening. Do you think it's because literally, whether by uh, the genetic level or even by the, there's a will element of it maybe where you can actually willfully through fear shut off your connection to that divine spark, that kingdom of heaven, that gnosis, right? Because of fear, but there's also maybe even a genetic predisposition that's in play, right? Slave Matrix, David. Let me ask you this. If you look back at society right now, um, and we just went back to the 1990s, 
Would you say that people you knew in the 1990s were more spiritual than people today? Depends. I, I, I'm not sure if I was around the right crowd, but. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, when I look back in the 1990s and I look at the spiritual crowd, and the spiritual community, I would say that I knew a lot more people who were spiritually minded, especially in religion. Religion, mm. people would be like, oh, you know, I'm more spiritual. I got a relationship with God. Right. Nowadays, we see the rise of atheism, the rise of this whole godless society, this this devoidance of God in society. We're seeing it everywhere. We're also seeing the extreme of fundamentalism rising back again as That's a counterbalance. Right. And it comes, it, it comes directly from it. Now right. here's what I want to show you. Okay. Uh, when, when looking at this mental illness, that's plaguing humanity here. What is the one thing that's different between 1990 and today? Technology. Not only just, not just technology. How does the internet communicate? We just well, talked about, is... we're giving off bio photons. We're right. communicating photonically. Our, our DNA are electromagnetic antennas, transducers communicating with the center of the galaxy. You ever get into the work of David Icke? Yep. He used to talk about within the mysteries of Saturn how these archons created the rings of Saturn. And they're actually transmitters, transmitting a signal that bounces off the moon onto the earth and puts us in this electromagnetic state of this daze and ignorance. I don't think he was too far off. Now, I don't know about Saturn and, and the rings. It's an interesting theory. Martin Blank, the same scientist I was just talking about, he actually honed our DNA into a specific frequency. Now, hmm. To give you a background of this, um, black body radiation. Have you ever heard of it? Black, no. Okay. So the birth of quantum physics came in the early 1900s when a guy by the name of Max Planck discovered mm. something known as black body radiation. Um, and he went out and he started measuring black body radiation. And he found out that um, it doesn't basically transfer energy in a linear scale. Okay. Instead, it quantitizes it puts it in the small little packets and sends the packets one at a time. So information at the sub quantum level doesn't just travel linear in a linear scale, like one, 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 one. Instead it quantifies it into like a, a group of five and waits for the group of five. And then it sends it to where it's going hmm. to go. Okay. This is the birth of quantum physics. The word quantum comes from quantification. Okay. The quantifying of this, so the con condensing of that energy to a specific little, uh, threshold and then it transfers it this is how the whole Planck scale is derived 10 to the negative 35 meters Planck's time Planck's energy all of this is derived from this understanding now how he figured this out is because they detected something known as a cosmic microwave background radiation of the universe and they believe that this is left over from what they call the big bang i call bullshit on that but they believe it's left over from what they call the big bang and this is a uniform distribution of microwave energy throughout the entire galaxy deriving from one central spot and expanding out. So when you turn on your TV, the old school, um, you know, rabbit ear antenna TV, and you get the snow. Yeah. You notice how the snow used to help you sleep? Yeah. Do you they know what that snow is noise. actually from? White noise. Yep. You know what that's actually from? What? That is what we would call the remnants of the Big Bang being brought into your television. 
That is that cosmic microwave background radiation being picked up by the antennas on that television and being translated to you through your TV. Hmm. Okay. So when your antennas are picking up static, that static is actually that microwave radiation that's lying in the backdrop on earth within the galaxy that's uniformly distributed. Now there's another scientific article that came out around circa 2014, the same time Martin Blank was doing these studies. And it said, was our DNA um, controlled, evolution controlled by the cosmic microwave background radiation of the universe because it was DNA is an electromagnetic receptor. It receives and transmits information. Well, guess what the frequency is? 34.2 gigahertz to about 64 gigahertz. Hmm. Now, what's interesting about that is this microwave background radiation goes from 3 gigahertz to 300 gigahertz. So we're in that realm. But 4G LTE and 5G actually transmits on octaves, 4G LTE transmits on octaves of that frequency, and 5G transmits directly at that frequency. So Hmm. slave matrix now. How do you subvert people's connection with the creator when we're about to get a burst of this photonic energy from the galactic center that's going to wake us all up? Here's what you do. You, here's what you do, Josh. You inject everybody with lots of different measurements of graphene oxide and God knows what else. You build a crap ton of these 5G frequency towers all over the planet while everybody's locked down and scared of a virus. And then you also blast up a whole crap load of satellites into the upper atmosphere. I think it's what, 60,000 they want to put up there with, te- with Tesla and all that. And then you have all these communication signals operating on these frequencies and you got the real matrix. What do you think? Not that's the slave matrix. And it's, it's, it's manipulating and what it all boils down to, because everything in the universe is light. It's what it is, right? Like, look at science. They say dark matter, black matter, you know, all this. We were just talking about this. Actually, I got to let people know I just released today, or I got to post it when I get it uploaded. It's going to be out today or tomorrow. The most recent episode of unslaved where we interviewed Scott Onstott. Do you know who Scott is? Uh, He wrote that documentary secrets in plain sight. Ooh. Go on YouTube, type in or Google, type in secrets in plain sight. I think it's like 10 hours long or something like that. Your mind will be absolutely blown by this documentary series. So we interviewed Scott Onstott and we were literally just talking about this. And so this is, that will be a great um, companion interview to what Josh and I are talking about here. But, um, what I was thinking about is if everything is light and everything is frequency and vibration, like Tesla said, and Walter Russell and all these great geniuses, then they're trying to hack the real reality that was built and given at, built as a, at, by the creator, by the creative force, whatever however you want to look at it. And we are supposed to be living. We are matched perfectly and synced perfectly with it, with that. All the superpowers are trying to sell to you with this transhumanism stuff and the merging of technology. And again, nothing's evil with technology, but it can enslave you and create a matrix or it can liberate you. Um, but everything they're talking about as, here's the sales pitch, we're gonna improve your health. We're gonna help you grow limbs. We're gonna help you do all this. That to me is not the full story because they're not warning you about the negative consequences of cutting yourself off from the organic, the real matrix of the universe, the real organic reality. And we are now all, we're going to be literally immersed in this metaverse. People were talking about the metaverse, 
What do you think about the metaverse, even that term, Josh, and, and all this, this idea of so, them creating this illusion? This is exactly what it is, David. We're talking about right now is we live within the matrix of God, the creator. That's the frequency that we are um, resonating with within our DNA, whether we're cut off from it and it's, it's interfered with through going through the transit of the galaxy or whether we're at the golden renaissance. This is what we are embellished within is the, the, the frequencies of the creator. They are quite literally hijacking that frequency to control us, to implement us into the slave state. Now, you just said meta. Now, we go back to the Travis Scott concert and we talk about that. Now, what's interesting about that is if you look at the stage, the stage comes out and it cuts off into a cross and it comes out again. And at the top of the, the stage, there's eight flames that come out. Now, this is the Leviathan cross of Satanism. Okay. This was 100% a ritualistic ceremony that opened up the gateway to the Rams Road procession that just happened that sets up for the December 21st begin date of this Passover time frame that we're about to happen in this galactic context where they're going to start their ritualistic sacrifices to their God, of which the people who just got all this vaccine are going to start dying off in this ritualistic sacrifice. Now, going back to the Travis Scott thing, the symbology there, is you have Travis Scott, the song that he was singing at the time, I forgot the name of the song, but the song that he was singing at the time that everybody started dying, they didn't die from the mosh or from the the the, uh, the tramping, tramping. Uh, they died during a song and people were just dropping dead. We have eyewitness testimony of this. You can go to my Twitter to see all this. But it was a specific song that he was singing. Now, the music video for the song, Travis Scott is wearing a Pearl Jam shirt. And it's the Eye of Soren. It's actually that, that constellation. And it's a figure eight with an eye in the center. Now, it just so happens that that specific concert that that shirt came from, eight people died at that Pearl Jam concert. No way. This was, was the... Eight yeah, eight people died at that Pearl Jam concert. The shirt that he was wearing in the music video of the song that he performed on stage at the time that eight people died at his concert. Now, the word eight is interesting because there was eight flames at the front of the Leviathan cross. Now, and eight is also a symbol. It's a number that they use for describing the sun. That's right. Well, well, oh, 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 we got to get into this first. Okay, okay. This happens on the, what, a day after Facebook announces the change of the name to meta and then metaverse is all of a sudden in this domain now the word meta is symbolic and representative of what the infinity symbol which is also representative of the number eight now in dramantia or in numerology the number eight means number seven was god's perfection the number eight was beyond god was beyond the scope of the universe was beyond it so meta means beyond god's creation Hmm. Think about that in context. So when we talk sure about think. the beyond God's creation verse, okay, these people believe themselves to be God. They want to be gods. And so what they've done is they've created their own universal control, a centralized metaverse. And I'm in the cryptocurrency. I understand the metaverse and I'm all for the decentralization of the metaverse, because if we go in there and we control it as patriots, as human beings, as spiritual beings, and we don't allow them to centralize it, we win. We right. control it. They don't, right? Yeah. Decentralized means that you and I as computers are connected in a network to where if we take them down, now we're separated from it. But if we put them back in, now it's there, right? That's decentralization. That's a good thing. They are centralizing this metaverse, Microsoft, Facebook, they're all going to work together to centralize this metaverse into a world beyond God. 
means a world beyond the creation of God. It's a slave matrix, a slave prison for your mind that is going to hijack you and put you in. Now, someone mentioned uh, JCMC0007 mentioned 60 hertz. Our Oculuses, the refresh rate is 120 hertz. That's two times 60 hertz. Now, 60 hertz actually puts, it's it's actually matches the rhythm of your heartbeat. Hmm. 60 hertz also is a frequency derivation or octave of 2.4 gigahertz, which is Wi-Fi. 2.4 gigahertz is also a frequency derivative of 30, 34.2 gigahertz, right? The same 5G channels that are coming about. All these resonate with your heart and your DNA, okay? 60 hertz puts you in a trans state, like a, a, a very, very trans-like state that makes you very uh, receptive, receptive to influence a trance like you mean like in a trance like a hypnotic very trance. very, very trans like state if you go back to the creator of uh the television his name was uh uh man i can't forget his name um filmsworth or something like that but he talks about this he was he uh he called his invention the television an abomination hmm. that it needs to be destroyed and that humanity needs to throw them out and that people should not watch television at all. And he threw him out of his own house. And because he realized is that it would be utilized for a mechanism of control. Because that 60 hertz refresh rate puts you in a trans-like state that makes you very, very susceptible to influence. It's what a lot of people don't understand about television. It's not always what's on the television that you're watching. You do also have to understand that there is all the refresh rates like you're saying the color spectrum, the sound spectrum. Um, the, the, and these people are masters of that. They're masters of that domain. They know exactly how your psychology works. And they're trying to match the frequency that is the natural organic frequency of your mind with that technology. And that was just when they went from steel belted radios into television. Look where we got with these smart TVs. And now we're, we got, this is, look at this. This is the on you're walking around with right now. You've got it all connected in. And now they want to take us, what I've seen is they want to take us out of these physical devices and they want to implant this shit into our bodies. And they're even talking, Josh, about the microchips they want to put in your brain. Um, they're going to help, they're, they're going to be transmitting signals that will help you regrow organs. They will um, be able to show you advertisements in your brain. So, mm -hmm. They're literally hijacking your dreams, your internal vision, so that you're not seeing God anymore. You're seeing them. And they don't want to just be God. of the. They want to be your God. They want you bowing at their altars. And what do you think about that? What do you think about that energetic motive? Because everybody's kind of like, what's the motive? Why are they so evil, man? Like, it's they're, they're, they're feeding off of those energy frequencies. That's what I think. When you get to that non-human level, however people want to look at that, they're feeding off of that range of frequency and because for some reason, I think that's what gives them yeah. sustenance. What do you think about that? Yeah. So firstly, Philo Farnsworth was the inventor of the television. He's the okay. one that came out, called his invention an abomination that we need to get rid of it. Um, David, you know that I've uh, developed a theory of physical reality called optimization theory. Right. Optimization theory derives from... Um, occult study, deriving from the occult study, taking this esoteric knowledge that's been hidden from us and trying to relate it to modern day science, to what we discovered on both ends and trying to make a marriage of it. 
Um, what it comes down to is that esoteric or occult knowledge is very, very convoluted. It's very, very spread out. There's so much of it. But it all comes down to very, very simple principles. And this is why they had to throw all this bullshit in there, disinformation in there to hide it because it was so simple to understand. Mm. And see, when you get down to it, is if we broke the universe down to very, very simplistic system, is that there's only one thing that ever happens in the entirety of the whole universe. It's one system with one process. And so all the laws of physics and nature, everything that we see existent within our universe is dependent upon this one process. Um, you know, when they start talking quantum physics of gluons holding the, the protons together and bosons in the field that come together and get stimulated and electric, all this stuff only happens because this one process occurs. So these are all, this is the, the, the foundational process that occurs in the entirety of the universe. And that is that two systems come together and they exchange energy, a high to a low. And those systems exchange from a high to a low and they come to a system of optimization between each other. They're not at zero. They're at balance. They're at optimization. And that system of optimization, that's marriage of those two the one high, the one low come together. Remember we talked about the masculine and the feminine, the two yep. cycles. When they come together at that medium node point, they marriage, they form a third emergent system. The emergence means that they only exist because those two came together and decided to come together. So the third system is only derived from the marriage of the first and the second, but it's now a combination. It's a merging. It's a marriage of those two systems. And now that third system goes out and does it with another system. And they exchange energy. They, they create a new emergent system. And this process occurs over and over throughout the billions of aeons of however long the infinite cycle of the universe is. Okay? And this forms more complex structures, more intelligent structures of this energy, of these emergent systems coming together, until you get this right here. These emergent systems come together and they produce this functionality of life of where you and I go out there and we exchange information, which is nothing more than just a higher level exchange of very, very basal energy. Right. When I take knowledge, I'm taking my level of knowledge. I'm exhausting it, giving it to you. You're taking yours and giving it to me. And now we are declined in one end and progressed in another end of knowledge. And now what do we want to do? I want to go there and research and learn more about this stuff. I extrapolate upon that knowledge, right? But I, I have to fill back up my fuel tank of what I just gave out. Well, the universe is a compensatory mechanism for this. That mm. when one thing is deficient, the universe has to give it to balance. It has to make it the balance. When one thing has excess, the universe has to bring it back to balance. And so this is where the law of attraction actually comes in right? The law of attraction is nothing more than law of balance. The law of compensation is if I have a deficiency, the universe by nature has a law that says that I have to be back at balance. So if I give out energy, the universe says, okay, here's some energy, Josh. I'm going to give some back to you. So if I wanted to bring in energy to myself from the ether, from the universe, all I have to do is expend it. Now, this expending of information at this higher level comes with what we call karmic affliction, right? It has emotion attached to it. And that emotion, when it goes out there and someone acts upon the knowledge I give them, can be beneficial to them or consequential. If it's consequential to them, that karmic affliction comes back towards me in a negative way where negative energy comes back to me in emotional context where that energy that the universe gives back to me is not necessarily good. Mm. 
It's polarized in the wrong way, or it can be very, very positive. So if I sit here like you and we do our shows and we give out truth and we spread that truth, the universe will give us things in our life to compensate for what we're giving out there to those people. This is the universe. This is magic. This is the universal process. Okay. So when we're talking about these Satanists out there trying to control this energy grid structure of human mind and action, producing influence in the universe, that's exactly what they're doing is they want to be gods. Now, what did I just talk about? As those two emergent systems come together, they form more complex and intelligent structures that that increases the evolution of that entity, of that figure, of that being. So if more energy is harnessed or more energy is harvested, the quicker that process can occur. So is this, does this plug in, in your view, does this plug in the reason for the actual physical sacrifice, the need to sacrifice? Because there's many ways they sacrifice, right? They'll sacrifice an economy. They'll sacrifice a country. They'll sacrifice guys at war during war. Their soldiers during war. They'll sacrifice, but not. But then they'll actually do some of these weird practices behind the curtains of actual human sacrifice. You know, and some of the nasty stuff like child sacrifice. It's an ancient practice, universally practiced, and it's never went away. In my opinion, is that is there? What do you think about the energetic reason why they do it? Because some people might just sit there and go, well, they're just evil. So they're just horrible, evil people and they hate humanity. But they also have a very functional reason for doing it in their view, right? Um, yes, they have a very functional view. Is It gives them quite literal power. It gives them... Think about this. You ever heard the term energy vampire? Oh, yeah. Okay. I've so known there's, a few of those. Yeah, there's three types of people or beings of how they interact with energy. You can absorb energy, which is an empath. Empaths just absorb other people's energies. Hmm. Energy vampires steal other people's energy, which is not necessarily a negative thing. A lot of these people out there that are like healers of God, all they are, are energy vampires that can take that negative energy out of you. Okay? And then there's people who can pass through which means that nothing affects them. Energetically, they can just allow it to pass right through them. Now, the alchemist is one who's mastered all three. I can absorb when I need to absorb. I can take when I need to take, and I can pass through when I need to pass through, or I do a combination of all of them in a sequence. Right? That's the magician. And that's very high-level magic that we're talking about. So right. what is the benefit of that to me? To my soul. Remember this merging of, of matter and energy and the, the proportionality to the body and the soul and all this stuff? Well, when we utilize other energies, these open up doorways or they open up deficiencies. If, if one energy, one pure form of energy, which has a coming soul in, is removed, the universe has to compensate to bring more soul energy in. Right. And so if I have a ritual where I were, well, not me, but one of these sat Satanists go out there and they sacrifice one of these very, very innocent children. Okay. That soul energy that was coming in is now devoidant is gone. That portal is st still open. So the universe has to compensate that energy that was coming in. It needs balance, right? So where's that portal going to be open to bring that soul energy, that equivalent energy into? Well, that's what the ritual is all about. It's brought into the God. 
It's focused towards the God. That's what the symbolic representation does. The symbols focus that energy back onto the God of the sacrifice. And so when the universe compensates, because the universe is just a, a, a non, um, non-participant here. It's just a set of rules and laws that operates, right? And so when that soul energy is sacrificed and is removed from the equation, the universe has to compensate. And the ritual takes the symbols and focuses that compensatory energy of the universe back onto the God, which makes the God more powerful by absorbing that energy and allowing that God to come into its being more. Speeding up its... What these Luciferians did was they just sort of found a way to hack the matrix in order to have it benefit them and to gain all the power for themselves. But in order for that to happen, they have to steal the power from everybody else or everything else. And in order to bypass that natural law, they say, well, we went out and showed you that this is what we were doing. And we told you, so you didn't fight back. So this is how they get their karmic uh, justification on the, on the legal, uh, legal framework of their position on that, I guess you could say. And this is why people were created into the property legally through the mm-hmm. Phoenicians and through the U.S. Constitution. Oh, yeah. You guys haven't heard that one. You need to go back. But... This is why peep children are legally, right, are legally owned by the parents or now by the state. It's because the parent can give that child up and devoid of whether that children's wants or needs, they will be sacrificed. You've been hearing the stuff about um, um, John Walsh, remember uh, America's Most Wanted, this guy, the sheriff, yep. Yep. whose son was decapitated by a pedo, all this stuff. And his daughter's out there talking now that, um, he actually sacrificed his son to this cult to get power and fame. His this is what they demand as their entry. This is what, you mean, Isaac Cappy or is it Cappy? Yeah, he yeah, talked Isaac about Cappy. this stuff. Yep. Yeah, and this is what Q was trying to show us is that human trafficking, child trafficking is much darker and deeper. Pizzagate isn't about sex with children. That's one derivation of it. Taking the taking of the innocence is one derivation of a very, very low level. But the, the sacrificing, the sacrificing of those children, the sacrificing of human beings, the innocence of the virgin, this is on a grand scale because that mechanism of the universe, the compensatory energetic mechanism of the universe has to compensate. It has to. And when you take a symbolic ritual derived around this and that symbol focuses that energy back towards the God of worship, it speeds up that God's evolution, makes it more of a God. And you can do this for beings and in human beings. This is how magicians operate. Magicians find ways to produce spells. Spells are thoughts, incantations, basically influences within the mind married with emotion that I project out into the universe, into my first level, second, and third level of influence in the universe. First level, immediate action. Second level is I whisper in someone's ear, they go out and do something. That's a secondary interaction. Mm. Third level or tertiary level is where I put it out to the universe. Jesus's process on the Sermon on ask, seek, knock, right? I put it out to the universe. I make my statement. I marry it in my mind, matching my ideas and thoughts and emotions together. And I project it out into the universe. Now that's going to have a certain level of influence in the universe where the universe is going to have to compensate for the energy I put out I created the deficiency here, put an efficiency in the universe. The universe has got it. Give me something back. That's magic. That's what the whole system of magic is derived from. It's an exchange of energy. 
And so you and I do this on a daily basis, even though most people are ignorant of this fact that every time that you move, every time that you interact with something and you have a relationship with someone or you talk to somebody, you're in the process of magic and that it has some type of energetic compensatory mechanism operating within the universe. And this is why whenever you're alone, you should always do the right thing. Because the universe has a karmic compensatory mechanism that will screw you in this lifetime if you screw it and go against natural law. The dark magicians know this as well. This is why they subvert your will, your information, your knowledge. They occult it. They keep it out of the system. So you operate on a very, very thin line of information to where when the choices and decisions you make only go between these two boundaries. They don't extrapolate beyond it, which means that they have you in a point of control to where all they have to do is press a button. And you will obey exactly what they say. Put on a mask. Yeah. Take the shot in your arm. That's exactly how they operate. And that is why I know that this is the cult that I've been talking about. This is the rituals that we've been talking about. And we're coming up on their sacrifice of innocence starting December 21st, moving to June 21st, 2020. We're about to see a lot of people die. And it's going to be a very, very scary thing. And this is why it's paramount that I get these documentary videos done and put out there as fast as possible because it's helping to wake people up what you're doing cult of medics i by the way i'm blown away by cult of medics if anybody out there has not checked it out you need to go watch cult of medics i'm i'm just starting on five um it it is mind-blowing a lot of it's funny kind of how they correlate is the slave matrix and the cult of the medics could be like part one and part two because they're just going to coalesce together in the sense of the knowledge base of how this all operates if you want the full scope is you have to look at everything to see it um but this is like all this stuff that we're talking about here is very high level um and there's probably only a handful of occultists on this planet that know exactly what we're talking about here okay this stuff is this is why like i get shivers when i talk about this stuff because this is not the stuff that you're supposed to say especially on shows this is the stuff that people in these circles who know it do do not talk about because the problem david is this knowledge is dangerous Mm -hmm. if i just gave people the process of how harry potter style magic actually works and when you get really really good at it You can make changes to your reality instantaneously. You can make things happen in an instant, just like Illuminosos, create light. You can make it happen instantaneously by marrying your mind in relationship with reality, by understanding that thought process of how all this organizes and comes together, by understanding natural law, okay? Which means that people who maybe don't know about the consequences but know the process can go out there and hurt people. They can go out there and create damage. This is why Athena... The goddess did not trust humanity in the coming ages and occulted it within the owl and hid it in the darkness because it was dangerous. And she understood we were going into this dark cycle of the sun. The dark sun was going to rule for many ages. And so she occulted and hid the knowledge. Well, the problem is, is whoever this evil is, is they infiltrated those societies. Right. We got lots of statements on that coming from a lot of these top masons and royalty etc josh let's finish up on a high note um yeah. for people so in my reading what you've just described explains both sides of this duality and the solution as we've always been saying i've been saying something a lot which is you know the way out is in yeah. and um but i'd like your take on you were just talking about how we're moving into this new cycle according to their satanic calendars and the whole process of their rituals 
Um, if that's true, we're going to see a lot of carnage. And I think even people that aren't even looking at the deep es esoteric layers can just read the tea leaves, look at what's going around and see that we're in for something big. I've been personally feeling in my gut, I've been having dreams about it. My wife's been having dreams about it. My sister-in-law has been having dreams about it. We were just talking about this. We've been feeling in our gut that something really, really big is about to occur. And I don't know if it's positive or negative or a bit of both. Um, what's your intuitive feelings on what's going to start to roll out over the next few months? And then what's your research also saying? Uh, if we look at the narrative and the research is showing that a lot of people are going to die. Probably uh, the estimates that I'm seeing from Dr. Fleming, from Dr. Zelenko and all these other medical professionals out there doing this is about one to 1.5 billion people globally will die in the next 12 to 18 months. Um, we are moving into the point of this, this pro and I got, God, I hope I'm wrong. I hope we're all, oh, I hope so too. This is just oh what my. they're saying, guys. Yeah, we're not this is what they're saying. I hope statements. we're wrong and I hope we can stop this because I know yeah. a lot of good people out there who are working on remedies Solutions. for the vaccines, right? Yeah. Yeah. But, um, this is what we have to see. December 21st marks the calendar start date. Now, astrologically or processionally, this is the beginning of when we went into this session, right? And going through this dark period and we come out at the Passover point in time. And that's where we are astrologically is the age of Aquarius is this Passover time frame where light overtakes darkness. So Passover this next year is going to be critically important. We're coming dark the light. This is the point of dark the light Easter this year, Passover, sorry, Easter next year, Passover next year is dark the light guys. This is it. We have to control the light in the world. We have to control the goodness of the world. We have to keep the beacon of freedom shining. If we can move through the next six to 12 months, shining our lights bright, keeping the truth flowing and not giving in to this tyranny and oppression, we can win. We can win. And with that, David, um, Dr. Len Horowitz, um, awesome human being out there. Um, very good truth speaker. He did this bit back in the early 2000s at a seminar he was talking about, um, about the power of our creator. And um, to give anybody some hope out there, I think this is the the best way to, to give this a, a final ending, to give some people some hope out there, is do you know how I know the power of our creator, that the power of our creator is the true power of the universe, is the power that's in existence, is the power of light, is the true righteous power of the universe. It's because of this one analogy right here, that I can go into a room full of evil, full of darkness, full of hatred and gluttony, and I can light a little light and darkness flees. But see, I can't do the opposite. I can't walk into a room full of light, truth, love, wisdom and righteousness and i can't have darkness have any effect whatsoever in that room that is how i know we will win this that is how i know the power of our creator prevails over all darkness boom i just got chills because i remember hearing that statement from him 2002 i think is when i first heard it and I started at that point, I started really diving into that, what you've been talking about, really getting into that idea of the kingdom of heaven being within. Um, and I bring that up a lot because 
I think a lot of people take these types of statements literally, but we're talking about everything you've just laid out, which is that we have a lot more say in this than we've been told. The biggest lie we've been told is that we are just automatons that need to be led and taught and we need the experts, we need the priests, and we need all these people to stand in our way. And that freedom is an illusion, it's an outdated model, and anybody striving for it is somehow dangerous. This is the argument they're literally telling you is that people that advocate for freedom are dangerous. But who is it dangerous? Who is who are freedom fighters dangerous to? To tyrants, right? And so if you put it all together and you look at it and you see how many people are waking up right now on different levels, not everybody's getting the big picture. That's that's okay. But they're getting over the threshold. I've been speaking in my personal life to people who are saying, my spouse, my grandma, my friend, my boss. They were all in on this COVID narrative. They were all in on the lockdowns. They were the ones shouting, you know, all this vitriol at people that weren't going along with the status quo. They are changing. They are the Omicron is. So even though Omicron might be their big buildup as, as in the symbolic way, because obviously it's a nothing burger uh, so far, um, it woke a lot of people up because it was kind of like all their promises are being broken and it's becoming so obvious. And so I've been saying to give people hope there's only so many moves left on this big grand chessboard of what's happening right now. And the more that they want to bring this home for them, this agenda, the more tyrannical and the more open they have to be about it. And there were many people that I read from, from back in the day, some of them dead and gone, who were predicting all of this stuff with the new world order and the takeover and the whole deal. They said there's going to come a time where they have to act in the open that they can't hide anymore. They can't use the old Fabian strategy of infiltrations instead of invasion. That's gone. That opportunity has passed. That already happened. Now they've already infiltrated everything. It's just about acting in the open now. And the more they act in the open, the more they're going to reveal their true nature to people. And that's why humanity had to see this. That's why that statement, in my opinion, is correct. That is, it had to be this way. Because people are going to say, and I hear it all the time, especially from these you know, people that look at things in this one-dimensional manner. They go, how, how could God allow young, innocent children to die? How could, uh, you know, how could the good guys, if there's good guys in the background, or if there's people fighting, how can we allow this to happen to our children? How can, basically, they're asking the question, how are we letting evil exist and persist? Yeah. And um, the truth is that it's only been through our ignorance that we've allowed it and that we have to make the choice. Goodness can't be forced on anybody. Freedom can't be forced on anybody, or that would be quite the oxymoron, wouldn't it, right? Yeah. You can't force it. People have to see it. They have to experience it. And because this illusion was so thick over our minds for centuries, okay, we're coming out of that now, you can't walk up to your grandma and tell her, hey, I'm going to break it all down for you. It was the great reset. <laughs> you can't. They just, it's not going to happen. The people that have bought into it up to this point for two years to stop the spread or whatever, uh, they, they literally cannot be woken up by something you say or do to them. It has to be an act of volition and free will or otherwise it violates natural law. And that higher force out there doesn't care about our feelings. It doesn't, it doesn't look at it like that. We ascribe human tendencies to that force. What it does is it operates based on law, the real law. And so that's what I think you were trying to break down, which is brilliant because when you realize that, you realize that this has to happen this way. It was destined to happen this way. 
Could it have been better? I don't know, but it doesn't mean it's over. It doesn't mean humanity is going to go extinct or that these guys are going to win. It just means they have to put all their cards on the table now, which means they're very dangerous. But the positive side of that is they're acting in the open, which will awaken more people. And the more of this consciousness that spreads becomes contagious and people are alerted to it and we focus it on it. That's how you bring dark to light. And that's how you bring this down. And it, Josh, tell me what you think on this. This can come down way faster than it built up. They had to build it up for decades and centuries, and it can come down in an instant when consciousness sees it for what it is, and then it's done. And that's how I see it happening. I think it's going to be one of those last, like in those films, where you think all hope is lost and it's over, and they're going to win. The evil force is going to take it over the world. It's a hero's journey. And then one little thing happens, and it changes the whole game in an instant. That's how it's I see it. It's a hero's journey. It, it literally yeah. is. And um, you know that was very well said, by the way, David. Uh, but you're right. Is that it, there is no hope lost. This is in our control. We yeah. all we have to do is simply wake up. And those people that we're talking about, this is what we call the red pill. And this is one thing that I'm really good at is, is helping people not give them the truth, but lead them to their own ignorance. Now, I want people to understand the red pill is not about telling somebody what you believe to be the truth. It's showing somebody their own ignorance. Think about the power in that. If somebody observes their own ignorance, firstly, they're embarrassed. They're embarrassed because you showed it to them, but now they're happy because now they can correct that ignorance. They can grow from that point. When they grow from that point, that evolves the mindset, evolves the perspective, it evolves the human being. And so a lot of these people out there that who are not waking up, who are family members and friends and loved ones, is it's not to go out there and say, you're ignorant, you need to realize your own ignorance. No. Yeah. is they have to come into the being of realizing their own ignorance. And if you can this guy that, hey, look at that. Did you hear there's so many deaths today? Did you hear about all the soccer players dropping dead? He just drops so, subtle clues to make them start thinking, to get that hamster, start running around and going, maybe there's something else going on here. And they mm -hmm. see their ignorance of being blind to something and they investigate it and they see the truth. That's how this works. And see, the thing is, is it can't happen ha fast enough. I know that. But that's what we're all here for. We're here to help humanity wake up and waking up to their own ignorance. And once humanity sees their ignorance for what it is and they wake up on a global level, that's how we defeat this power because this power only exists because of our ignorance. I'll say that again. This power, this evil that exists in this world only exists today because of our ignorance, period. Without our ignorance, it does not exist. If we defund the beast... If we, you know, Patriot switch, if we go to yeah. Patriot switch and we switch our funding, we defund them, that we take their money away, done, gone. That's it. It's that easy. It's our ignorance. Oh, let's just keep on buying from Amazon and Walmart and giving our money to them. Oh, these people are evil. You're ignorant. That's a, that's an action of ignorance. And by the way, that has karmic affliction when you do that. Now, the fact that you know that these people are complicit in these crimes and you choose to freely give them your money and substantiate what they're doing, now that's karmic affliction towards you. Now you're going to have a karmic action granted towards you by the universe, which is going to have negative propensity. Nobody wants that. So then you need to go over the Patriot switch, right? And, and use David and switch all your, right? You have to because now that you know this, but this is what I'm trying to say, guys is the problem of humanity is ignorance. If we've been in darkness for too 
long. We need to wake up to the light. We need to understand that, you know, whether the light is Jesus in Christianity or whether the light is Muhammad or whether the light is, is Judaism or whatever pantheon of religion that you worship or what, maybe it's just spirituality. Hone, hone in on it. Research it. Find out where it comes from. Find out how it derives from your heart. Find out how it enters your soul and helps you grow. Because that is the only way that we're going to defeat this evil. Dude, always a blast to talk to you. Yeah. Uh, you made me think too about for when we're out there talking about this, that great quote from Khalil Gibran where he was saying, the true teacher does not bring you into his house of wisdom. The true teacher shows you the wisdom of your own mind. And that's what we need to do. That's what you're saying we're doing is we're here to be, I don't know all the answers. I make mistakes all the time. I'm imperfect, right? Um, I'm an emotional being. I'm a human being. I err, right? But I'm orientating my ship towards what's true and what's good. My heart wants truth, freedom, and justice. That's what I fight for. That's my flag that I fly on this battlefield. Um, I welcome people from all backgrounds, belief systems, ways of looking at things, but we do need to unite on these basic principles that we've talked about today. So even if there's things you heard you didn't really agree with, that's cool. Make notes, look it up, come to your own de decision. But in the end, we have to agree that freedom is worth fighting for, that we're living in a time where whoever's in charge wants to eradicate our freedom. And that means they're going to eradicate what it means to be human. And we need to fight like we've never fought before. And that fighting is not us being stupid and dressing up with those white ski masks like those FBI agents that were out there marching in the Capitol, uh, paid by George Soros to make it look like patriots are going to go and storm the castle. That's not the way to do it. I think we all know that. My microphone is my weapon of choice. My word is my sword, right? And it's the same with you, Josh. Your word is your sword. It's the logos. It's you showing humanity to those people that are asleep. And I trust me, I'm, I'm preaching to myself because I go out and I smash people on Twitter too, okay? I get, I get fed up and frustrated. I'm like, wake up, sheeple, come on. But uh, other days I sit back, my, more, my, more, my wiser self says, no, no, you know, we have to make room. We have to show the way. We have to be an example. We have to invite people and we have to do our best. So that's the goal. Josh, you've done a great job here today, man. I really look forward to seeing your series. Uh, let people know, again, your sites, what's coming up. You got any exciting interviews? And then uh, do, yeah. when's your projected release date for this new series, Slave Matrix? So projected release date for Slave Matrix eventually will be at slavematrix.com. It's not up right now. Uh, but we're looking at the beginning of 2022. So within the first week of 2022, it should be coming out with the first hour, hour and a half long part of the documentary series. And then there will be multiple different series. And it's probably, there's, I'm not putting a cap on it. I'm not saying there's five or 10. Yeah. We're just going to say that they'll start coming out after that every two weeks. And we'll do one, one episode every two weeks. Um, we're going to, David's going to be a part of it. We're going to try to get a lot of other people involved in this and get a lot of other subject matter experts involved in this because it really does cool. mean about Thank bringing you. together all these levels of knowledge. Um, as for speaking engagements and things that I got going on tomorrow night um, at 10 p.m. Central, um, 11 p.m. Eastern, I will be on Caravan the Midnight. John B. Wells' show talking oh, about this exact topic. Yeah. Slave Good Matrix talking about all this uh, esotericism, occultism, and COVID, and how all this happens, and what the big perspective is moving forward and what they're trying to do. So, a lot of the things that we talked about, we talked about tomorrow with John B. Wells on Caravan the Midnight. You can find that at midnight.com or caravanthemidnight.com or just search John B. Wells radio show. 
Um, awesome show if you guys haven't checked it out. I'll be on that tomorrow night. And then Wednesday, I'm driving to Dallas. We're Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. I'll be at Clay Clark's Reawaken America Tour. Um, oh, we'll have good. a booth set up there. So if you guys are in Dallas and you do come out to that, I'll be there. You can come up, shake my hand, meet me, give me a hug, whatever. That's fine. Um, and we'll say hi there. And then uh, I, I 20 minutes, I go live on my show, uh, Red Pill Project's Daily Dose. <laughs> So uh, that's uh, on redpills.tv. You can find us on Rumble and all those other channels as well. But if you just go to redpills.tv, you can find all of our show information there. Um, and I do that show Monday through Thursday. Then Friday nights, we got Conversations on the Fringe, which is kind of like we talk a lot of different topics. This week, um, we don't have a guest. I'm going to be doing it from Dallas. Don't even. Uh, so we're kind of we're, we're trying to figure it out how we're going to do it this week. Uh, but. Yeah, that's what I got coming up and uh, excited, man. It's uh, it's going to be an interesting 2022. And I think that it's times of the greatest pessimism that humanity progresses the most because we become innovative and we become expansive in our mindsets in, e in evolution to adapt to the changing world. And so I'm really looking forward to 2022, even though we do project that a lot of evil and bad things could happen, although that a lot of those people made that through their own ignorant decisions. And I'm sorry about that. And if it is true, man, I this is going to be a really rough year. But I think that this is the year that we can actually make moves and take back the power and control and freedom that is real humanity. Brilliant, man. Well done. Uh, I'm with you. We're going to win in the end, guys take it to the bank. This is what's going to happen. As long as I'm breathing, as long as Josh is breathing, as long as you're breathing, we're taking this home and we're going to win it all. We're going to take the gold. So thanks, Josh. Uh, go check out his show, guys. I'll have him back again in the future. Josh, stay in touch with me, brother. I'll see you later. I'm going to do a little shout out to some people and uh, we'll catch you next time. Okay. All right, man. Take care. Thanks. You too. Wow. Incredible. Incredible. Well, guys, I want to let you know real quick, Thursday, I finally got a, a date booked with for a show with Sean Stone. I'm going to be bringing him on Thursday at, it's going to be an hour earlier than my normal time. So it'll be 2 p.m. Pacific, 3 p.m. Central, 5 p.m. Eastern. I'm going to be talking to Sean Stone about his documentary series, An Open Secret, um, getting into that. So that'll be a fun conversation. And then I've got some other cool stuff lined up again next week. So I'll sign off now. I want to thank everybody for coming in um, at Foxhole, DLive, Twitch, Rockfin. Love all you guys. Thank you so much. And I'll catch you guys real soon back here on Truthware. Have a good one, guys. Cheers.